can you help me? Can you come here? Come closer. Come closer. I've got something to talk about. And I just, I just need some help. Oh, thanks. Thanks for leaning in. I am so glad that I can get this off my chest. I have been holding it in for so long and I I just can't hold it in anymore. I can't, I can't do it. I've got to talk about Miggy. I've got to share with you about what is going on with Miggy. She is making me crazy. I mean, recently I had someone tell me that Miggy is a gift, but Miggy doesn't feel like a gift. She's all about Miggy. She doesn't really think, she just reacts. She can blow up on a moment's notice. And I, I look around and I see the shattered pieces on the ground and I don't even know how it happened. She's supposed to remind me that this moment matters. But when Mickey is in that moment, it doesn't feel like it matters. It feels like I need to make this moment stop. But I don't know how to do that. And sometimes my husband comes in and he does his best to calm things down and to give me what I need. But he doesn't know how to deal with Miggy sometimes either. Actually, a lot of times, Miggy is confounding. And it's so good that there are people in the world like Becky Dozeman who understand Miggy. Miggy is certainly at the front and center stage of this week's episode of Step Family Mission Possible. Bill and I are so glad that you've joined us on this journey because we know blending is hard. So let's tune in and make it easier. Have you ever had one of those monster in the mirror moments? You know, the ones where after screaming at the top of your lungs because your kid did something that made you livid, you end up in the bathroom staring at your reflection in the mirror and asking yourself, who is that person? Well, that's definitely what we would call a Miggy experience. Our next guest is delightful to interview. She shares how to deal with your Miggy, which is really your amygdala. You will answer the question, what do you do when your Miggy wigs out? Meet Becky. She's a graduate of the University of Michigan with a Master of Social Work degree. She spent the last almost two decades gaining experience as a helping professional to support others who are dealing with attachment, trauma, mood, and anxiety disorders. She's a wellness life coach, a licensed therapist, and healthy mindset advocate. Becky is passionate about empowering women to embrace their life with a gratitude mindset. In today's episode, she shares what's going on when the anxiety is bubbling up inside of your body, how you can actually deal with that. She shares with us her five-step easy-to-remember process to help you get out of that crazy moment where you feel completely out of control and move to a place where you can actually manage the chaos in your everyday blended family life. We're so pleased for Becky to join us on today's program because she is the expert. We learned tons listening to her energy, her joy, her optimism, so encouraging and supportive as she shared her tips on how we can understand the internal narrative, what's going on over and over again in our heads, and how that impacts judgment and overwhelm, how we can actually embrace the gift of our Miggy, signifying that this moment really means something. Becky touches on the difference between shame and guilt and helps us identify exactly what we might need in the moment to get through it. Hey there, it's Jen Rogers, and I couldn't be more pleased to have Becky join Bill and I and Step Family Mission Possible. We are all about taking the hard and blended and making it easier. Today's episode, number 55, does exactly that. Listen in to get the answers on how to calm things down when things are quite chaotic in your blend. So if you're not experiencing chaos in your blend or those moments where you lose your cool, then this episode probably isn't for you. For the rest of us, if you'd like to learn some strategies on how you can combat your Miggy, today get the answers you need to end the chaos so you and your stepfamily can blend beautifully together. Real quick though, before we start, 
Bill and I are going to be sharing literally everything we know and that we're learning about how to enjoy step family life on this podcast feed. So we're not going to be holding anything back. But the thing is, it's going to take us a long time to release all of this knowledge out into the world as we're doing weekly episodes. So if you are ready to kick chaos to the curb and live your best step family life right now, we invite you to participate in our coaching programs. It all starts with a free 30 minute call. We'll give you our best blending advice on what you can do immediately to calm the chaos. And if it's a good fit for you, we'll invite you into our membership program. Simply go to stepfamilymissionpossible.com or click on the link in the show notes to begin. We can't wait to meet you. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Step Family Mission Possible. Today, I am introducing to you a lovely woman named Becky. Instead of telling you all of her credentials, which she so graciously typed in the chat for me, I'm going to tell you she's a mouthful of credentials from Michigan. Becky, welcome to the program. I love being introduced that new and original way. That was fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here. And just what I was thinking about before hopping on, just really grateful that you have created, you both have created a space for blended families to have a community for them to be able to lean into. That's something we all need right now. So really grateful that you guys are doing that. Yeah, thank you. It's really a treat to have you, especially knowing your areas of expertise and the help that you provide families. You want to talk a little bit about those credentials in any way that makes the most sense to you? Sure. I'll try not to be um, as much of a mouthful as I tend to be that my clients say that I will use 500 words to say 50, but I'll try to honor you guys with the 50. By profession, I am a clinical uh, social worker and licensed therapist. God has called me to pivot from taking my experience and education and lean into the world of life coaching, which is really a pretty a general title. Um, so specifically, I work with Christian women to be able to lean out of the space of overwhelm and finding tools and strategies and support to lean into who God has created them to be. And it's given me a space to nurture women who are then nurturing their families in, in really profound ways. And it feels like um, a real gift that I get to do this. That's awesome. So Becky, you let us know you're not in a blended family yourself, but you do minister to women who are, correct? Correct. Yeah. A lot of my career um, as a therapist has been working with blended families in a therapy practice. So it's been a real journey and the learning I have, gosh, the experience and the wisdom I have gained things I've been taught by blended families was very unexpected in my career. And it has really allowed me to be more gracious and understanding that we don't know other people's story. And it's really important to hear that part of their story and how it influences where they are. If you had to ascribe three adjectives to how these women are experiencing life in a blend, which three would you choose? When you say women, you mean the, the wife mama role? Yes. Okay. I think they are feeling potentially judged, maybe misunderstood. And it's my go-to word, but it's a sense of muchness and overwhelm because they want to do things well and they're not sure they are. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as a woman who may be somewhat familiar with some of those adjectives that you just used, I'm wondering what is the measuring stick as far as when we say we feel overwhelmed, what are we bumping up against? The reason I ask that is because oftentimes we have, we don't know exactly how we're measuring the feeling. Mm. Oh man, this is one of my favorites. I often use the term rising up for anxiety. I think when we talk about anxiety just in that word, it bubbles up so much old story and lights up less ideal or negative neural pathways in our brain. And so the rising up, I think, is a beautiful way of that physiological response, because when you are in that place of anxiety, that's what you're feeling, that cortisol rising, tightness in your gut, your head hurting, the sweatiness, the palms getting sticky. I think that place is, is really where we are. So what you're talking about is that rising up. And often what we find is that so much of the rising up comes from this level 
of our mind called our non-conscious, where so much of who we are and our narrative and story is stored. And it bubbles up when things are triggered in the present. When that happens, it's our body's way of saying, hey, something's going on. There's something uncomfortable. You need to tend to this. And what tends to happen Mm -hmm. in that situation is there's so much in our immediate focus that we see as needs that tending to that rising up of the overwhelm, the judgment we're experiencing becomes, we think, like secondary to everything else. And so we often avoid and suppress. And all that happens is the bubbling up just comes back to remind us, hey, there's something here. You need to lean into that. Becky, would we describe that? You mentioned cortisol, and I've heard that before. Do we describe that as the fight or flight idea? Yes. So the part of our brain, I'm not going to get into the huge neuroscience of it because my brain can't understand that. I really like to explain things in a way that my brain and a second grader can understand. So when I talk about the brain um, and neuro and the way that our neurologists set up the way our brain works is the way I would talk to my second grade clients. And the part of our brain, yes, the fight, flight and freeze is within our amygdala. And I have nicknamed it Miggy because that's sort of affectionate. I want to actually not fight against that part of our brain. It's a gift that keeps us alive. So when I talk to Miggy, I really, I'm glad that's funny to you. I hope everybody else will walk around talking to their Miggy after this. And then, Alfie, you want to hear a really funny story? Sorry. There's actually yeah. a company in Australia that sells beautiful books for kids. And they have plushies that are amygdalas. My daughter sleeps with her amygdala in bed. I not if this was video i would show the guest okay squirrel and thread is coming back all right so when we think about flight fight and freeze we are in what's called the sympathetic nervous system and it's where the body is responding to some sense of fear or danger and often it's perceived danger we're actually not in a life-threatening situation but our brain doesn't know the difference it just wants to keep us safe that's why miggy's my friend she wants to keep me safe but the girl's working way too hard So the idea, um, Bill, is to be able to recognize that and be aware when fight, flight, and freeze is being triggered and to really work on that cortisol that's increasing up, doing something within your body and physiologically to reduce that cortisol. And that is usually an invitation in which your um, oxytocin, which is that nurturing love hormone, or yeah. one of that reward system part of our brain, dopamine, probably heard about that one. And then serotonin, which really regulates our mood. So you're trying to crowd the cortisol out by inviting in those happy mood boosting hormones. Okay, this sounds a lot like sanctification. What <laughs> lead into that? Yeah, especially as a stepmom, I would say there's a whole lot of sanctification that goes on. For women in general, oftentimes we're focusing on multiple things simultaneously. So I wonder, let's say that um, the dinner bell is going off. There's, well, there's a fire alarm. The dog is barking. The kid is about to get hit by a car and you need to switch the laundry over from the washer to the dryer and you're experiencing this meltdown. Outside of embracing this plushy Miggy, what can somebody do right there in that moment? Yes. Oh, I love that. So I don't want to oversimplify this. There is not a one way to do this. And so as people are listening, I want to first just preface this with the things that I teach are an invitation and everyone's experience is going to be different. So as I share this, I want to encourage and invite people to try these, but through the lens of what their particular needs are, trauma is, and where they are. So that being said, I think the first, I I teach method, five-step method, and the first is awareness. So often we have the illusion we can multitask doing all the things you just mentioned. It's an illusion because our brain um, gets way too jumbly and is way too much firing when we think we could do four things. So the first is to be aware. I'm shocked at how many women aren't even aware that they're doing four things at once. So I think it's first grounding yourself. Sometimes it's just grounding yourself and saying, I have two feet on the floor. I'm here in this moment. And if someone here, I can say this, if someone's actually going to get hit by a car, that's really the first need. So keep the human that's about to get hit safe. Like actually, (laughs) dinner can burn and the laundry can be put through again or 10 more times because you'll forget at least that many more times. Go save the human or the dog. So let's get that out of the way. We're safe, okay? They're safe. That's a great idea. Okay, wait a minute. Let me write that down. Save the kid. Save the dog. Save the dog. Save the save the. I can thing. make I can I can make a really bad joke. Save any family member. I'm not going to make a joke about selective family member choosing. Yes, 
keep the humans alive. Mama task number one. Okay, here's here's okay. one. When you say all those things, one of, one of my favorite ones is, are they alive? Have you kept these humans alive and do they know they're loved? Basis. So let's mm-hmm. assume that's happened in this situation. There is no healthy parenting or healthy self-nurture that comes out of the amygdala. If you are, if Miggy is dancing and you are parenting from that place or decision-making from that place, you will regret it. You will have to do relationship repair and you're probably going to feel some shame. So my number one thing is ground your feet in the floor. Take a deep breath. It's the number one way to reduce the cortisol and to be grounded in the moment. And then remind yourself that you are okay and that you can do this. And it seems so simple. Yeah, go ahead. Talk to the husband who might see this occurring, who might Mm -hmm. say, "Um, is something up? Often the husband feels attacked and he's going to increase that cortisol rush instead of ameliorating it or, or just a minute we are not talking about what happened yesterday are we no okay okay <laughs> all right god okay go ahead yeah. now i want to hear the story but continue yes do you want me to speak into that or is there more you want to add before i dive into this one no no more. husbands probably have a role helping their wives in this way and i'd like to hear your take on that okay let's see if i can do fit to you and not 500 First, I don't ever want to overgeneralize. We are all unique people and we all have unique personal characteristics. But if we were to make a generalization, which I don't always like, I typically find that husbands want to reduce their wife's pain in the moment by problem solving, mm-hmm. finding a solution and making it all better. And while there is a place for that and a space for that, it's not usually your best first yes. She doesn't actually want you to do that. But I know that's not what happened yesterday. Okay, so I don't want want to lose sight of you are going to give us five things. So this awareness and being grounded. As you were saying that, I was actually wiggling my toes to keep me grounded in the moment where I am. So let's make sure that we cover these five things. All right, I don't want to leave the husbands hanging. So I feel like I need to lean into Bill's question and get the five. And I will tell you, I typically reserve those five things for clients in my program. So I will be releasing this um, to you guys as a gift because I I think it'll really help people, especially the holiday season. So Bill, in that moment, this might seem really simple too. The question of what do you need? And just be quiet. Don't say anything else. So what do you need? What can I do? And then she looks at you and look on her face is that's not the right answer. Then just take a breath and guess. Just do something that you think would be helpful or walk away out of the room or give her space, take a deep breath, or you take a deep breath. Sometimes what can happen is the calm, not sometimes, every time, the calmest amygdala will regulate the room. So even if you aren't sure what to say and saying that question doesn't feel authentic, simply yourself, grounding yourself, taking a deep breath, regulating your amygdala will help your wife to be able to regulate hers and go from Miggy, that fight, flight, and freeze. And Miggy can't think. That's an important part. That's your doing reactionary part of your brain to think you need to be in your cortex. So help invite your wife into her cortex by calming. I have a little analogy. I promise I'm going to come back to the five things. A little analogy, when someone's triggered, they're the thermometer. They're going up and down in temperature, hot, cold, all over. If you can set yourself as the thermostat, I was like going to show how a thermostat spins, but they have buttons now. And you can set yourself at a cozy temperature. It's going to help your wife or vice versa, your spouse, to regulate themselves. And I like word pictures. It it works for my brain. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I did not know what you had said, that the calmest amygdala regulates the room. That is a fun fact. All right. That's good. Really yeah. good. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it can relate to parenting because you guys are talking about blended families here. When your child's amygdala is dancing, when Miggy is dancing in their mind, and it triggers yours as well, parenting out of your amygdala will never go well. And two amygdalas trying to have a conversation they're not connected to the cortex and the cortex problem solving. It's not going to go well. You're going to have an amygdala mess. I've never had one in my house, but that's what they tell me. Uh, oh, yeah. You read it in all those books. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yes. And if my children were standing here, they would not be shaking their heads and calling their mom a big fat liar. 
Okay, good. It's a, it's a good thing that we did not invite him to this episode, but probably not the next one. Oh, that's Thank you. you think I can talk a lot. Okay, um, I'll take You can stop recording at any time, so you can just be quiet. I want to preface this with saying that when it comes to regulating our amygdalas, that awareness part gets skipped over. And I think it seems almost too simple. I know I know I'm aware. But often people really aren't aware. And that, like you just, when I was talking about grounding your feet, it's just being aware that the rising up is happening. And this is what's interesting is every single person listening here today, I am 100% confident has experienced the rising up because we all just went through collective trauma. There are some people that could have said over the last, like, I really haven't been through trauma. It is no longer something we can say because we have all just been through this universal experience. And so, we're coming from a place of recognizing that for some of us, what we just went through triggered so much of our narrative of what we've been through, so much of our history and our story, and then related to blended families, whether it was the loss of a spouse or a divorce or disconnection, whatever that was, really in a place where um, that anxiety is really already bubbling. It's already there. So this method, I it's not like patented or whatever, trademarked. It was one that just, as I was talking to clients, the number one thing, number one thing women want, it's probably what, why you're, you're asking about it, Jen, is that what do I do, Becky? In that moment, what do I do? So I combined what science says, my own story and experience, and what we know that scripture and the nature of who God is, like what he says, what scripture says in, to do in those moments. You start with your pinky, that's awareness. She seems really little, but that's the first step, being aware that you are in a space of rising up. And then we jump over to our thumb. And this is where we ground ourselves. So we think about your thumb twisting down. We ground ourselves in breath. And people will say, oh, take, you know, 10 seconds to breathe. They think it's this simple overlooked number one thing. You need to do it. You need to take a deep breath. A deep inhalation through your nose, exhale through your nose or mouth. Slow and steady. Okay, so we have awareness is pinky. And I'm going to repeat it as we go through it because that will help solidify it in everybody's memory. So we have awareness with our pinky breath with our thumb and then next is our pointer finger where we are pointing because I imagine like any little girl who went to Sunday school you imagine Jesus is upstairs so you point up to heaven where God is and you surrender with your prayer I can't handle this on my own and your scripture says to come to you and that you will hear and that I can cast my burden so awareness breath surrender through prayer and even if it's one of those throw up prayers, like you're just quick to or toss up prayers, you're just tossing it up. You're not even like heartfelt, spiritually connected. I, I would prefer that. He would prefer that. But just get it up there. Acknowledge you can't do this on your own. And then our ring finger is gratitude. Gratitude is one of the number one ways after rest, a second way to lean in to recognizing what is going well. Because when we're triggered in the moment, we don't feel like we can handle it. This isn't a long gratitude list because you're triggered. Just a gratitude piece, whatever that might be. For example, like in that in the scenario you were talking about, grateful that I have a laundry machine or have a washing machine. Laundry machine, that's funny. Washing machine, okay, I have that. Grateful that dinner is cooking, even if it's burning. <laughs> grateful that I can smoke detector to help keep me safe, whatever that is. And then this is the one, okay, please know that I want to be a woman after God's own heart. And that the things that come from our mouth should be like good and honoring to him. But this is one where I maybe had offended a few people of faith. So please know my heart's not to offend, but we all know what the middle finger is for. We all know what it is. So I almost don't what it there, but that's, there. I gotta be respectful. Yeah. So let's all just get past that and say sin and brokenness, that finger gets used and you are flipping off your cortisol. And you're saying you're not invited to this moment. And essentially what I say is courage over cortisol because courage means you're going, you're leaning, cure, cure, C-U-R-E is the Latin for courage. It means with your whole heart. When I can acknowledge my whole heart is rising up because this moment matters, my body's responding. Typically anxiety is in response to a moment that matters to us. Either something scary is happening or we're really nervous about something or there's fear. And so this moment matters and I am going to choose courage over cortisol. So taking a breath. That's really that good. That's awesome. Yeah, I love, I love it. Thanks for 
sharing it. I hope it is your trade secret. You go <laughs> go get that trademark right away. <laughs> it's really good. And and I want to say a, a few things, if I may chime into what yeah. you just shared with us, that we think it's more complicated than what it is. And so those things that you mentioned, there may be some eyeball rolling moments in the audience. Oh yeah, okay, I'm tired of somebody telling me to take a deep breath in. And yet mm-hmm. it really does regulate. I know that just recently I was having a texting conversation with a client and I encouraged her to breathe and I typed in a B dot, 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 R dot, 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 and all the way through. And there's no way you can't read that without slowing down. Your body automatically slows down and is doing that slowness and breathing in. So the things that you mentioned may not sound, I don't know what's the word, fancy, it's profound. And yet uh, we know that uh, there is the profound found in the simple. And so thank you for sharing those things. It's really encouraging. The way that you described it was this moment matters. And I think Mm -hmm. that part of the frustration that we experience in blended families is we feel often that nobody thinks these moments matter. I really love that you said what you're experiencing right now, it is important. It does matter. Now, what are you going to do with what you're experiencing right now? Now, I'm also hearing, I'm I'm hearing the element of the spiritual in there too, where James, for example, tells us, count it all joy. And we're like, yeah, no, No, I'm not going to do that. Yet, there's a real blessing to learning these things. And we all, as we know, in blended families get plenty of practice. So learn how to cope with those situations because they are going to come back. There are things that are going to trigger those. Sometimes I think that's being triggered by myself. Other times, man, the devil's having a heyday with us. But honestly, sometimes I think it's God saying, okay, I'm going to poke you because I want to see if you're getting it. Yeah, I, I, you know, Again, I will say, I truly actually believe, this might not be biblical, so you may have to um, call me on this one. I think Jesus is probably going to have me sit at his feet in heaven and say, hey, girlfriend, you got these things wrong with scripture, but I would rather lean into what scripture means and even get it wrong, but try. And so this is one of, of those. The verse I was thinking about as you were sharing that, the verse Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I, these are ones where I want to say, People with anxiety, all of us rising up, we want to say, I don't want to be anxious about anything. And we think that we're going against scripture when we're still, when we're anxious. But I believe this is God's like love letter to us, inviting us to not live in the overwhelming anxiety. And what I love about this verse is so talking about the method I just said with your fingers by prayer and petition. And then with Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving is that gratitude. So by doing those things we just talked about, we are aligning with what scripture, what, you know, and the, the most powerful being that the creator of the world is saying, do these things. And like you were saying, Jen, it's not super profound, but it is such a beautiful place to be. So leaning into what you were talking about, and I, will you repeat the question? Because the word shame was coming up, what I wanted to talk about, but I lost the thread. Could you repeat that question again? My question or Bill's question? Yeah, sorry. Your question, Jen, about how blended families feel. And there was a specific yeah, question. I, asked, I, not, I, I think you answered it because we started off with what were the three adjectives that you would ascribe to women. And then we just went from there. So if there's a question, okay. then is, is that the one you're thinking of? The other was one just a minute ago, but that's okay. That's it, what the recording and is again, for. <laughs> Although I don't know if I'm well, going to cut this part out. This is real. This is real life podcasting going on here. Actually, so like when people say, what I think, what am I going to talk about? When someone says something, oh, here's something. I'll give an, I'll give an, a, a little invitation. Something that we do in our family, most of us want to do things right. And we want to you know, not mess up. And a lot, there's a high correlation between people that experience a lot of the rising up, you know, anxiety and overwhelm and perfectionism having a story of I need to keep everything just so everything is just so, which is an illusion because there's, oh, come back to Bill's question. There's so much learning through that process of the heart. That's where I was going with that. Like you're going through this journey and threads coming back. So imperfection, we're showing imperfections. By being imperfect in this moment, we're giving other people permission to be imperfect and allowing them into that space by showing that part of, of, of who we are. Now I'm shifting back again to what you were saying, Bill. I think that space is a tricky one because people really want 
to do things well. Blended families, again, I'm not from a blended family, so I don't want to say what I know. What they have taught me and shown me by sitting with them and hearing their stories is they sometimes feel as though because they are in a blended family that it means there's something they have done more wrong or didn't do something right. And maybe I'm simplifying it, but I believe that there is the potential for meaning making. And that's the invitation the Lord gives us is that things, there's sin and brokenness and things fall through his fingers. And we can ask him why, Lord, why didn't you stop that? Or why did you allow that to happen? But it falls through his fingers. He has a sovereign plan. We don't always like it or want that to be the case. But he invites us into a place of saying, what can you learn through this journey? And so I will say, I have yet to meet a blended family that could not write a book on all the learning they have had through their journey of hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that reminds me of our pre-podcast conversation. We just met just a few days ago, really. It was just such a great treat to come together and have a beautiful conversation and get to record so quickly. You were talking about the gift is the process Mm -hmm. of learning. So couples actually, instead of focusing on the destination to say, oh, when I get there, then it's gonna be really good. You were talking about the process and the gift in the process. Do you want to share a little bit more about your thoughts on that? Yeah, we are so oriented in getting to that final destination or checking something off of our list that I think we miss out on the gift of what we can learn through the process of our progress. I remember having, because it's families in general, but specifically, particularly blended families, having a stepmom sitting in my office and then maybe her teenage step son or daughter with a client and saying, Becky, when we get to the place where my husband and I can agree on parenting, when we get to the place that my stepson likes me, or we get to the place in which we can figure whatever it is out, I, you know, let's acknowledge that's a need. But until you get there, what is the learning? What are the communication building opportunities you have? What are the sitting with moments and saying, you know, asking your child, what do you need? What is this like for you? Whatever that is, I feel like there's so many gifts there in that space. But we, especially with our culture, sending us these messages, we want to microwave or instapot those results. We want to go from here and we want it to be done in 20 minutes and check it off our list and move on. But we talked about this in our conversation is like we, the richness of relationships in this broken world. Like I think one of the best gifts we have, even though they're broken, is these relationships, these, you know, Imperfect humans trying to figure out the stance of doing life together is there's the gift of that crack pot. You're putting different ingredients in, you're getting it just so. But if you rush the process, that chili or that stew is not going to be as good. And so I'm not going to, I don't like to steal things from people. And there's an author, her name is Lisa, and I cannot think of her last name, but she just wrote a book called The Good, um, The Hard Good. And I think that's the gift. Through the hard, how does God redeem it? That's that's really good. It's definitely in line with some of the things that we talk about in our coaching programs. So we focus on a step family legacy roadmap and the legacy. There are things that go along with each one of those letters. And the Y stands for yield to God's best for your family. I guess that's where you say the best for last, but it doesn't feel like the best because that's the hardest that to yield to what God is calling you to do. But the roadmap idea is that you are on this journey and you are going to have speed bumps, you're gonna have potholes, the wheels are gonna fall off the bus, you're gonna take the wrong exit, there's gonna be construction, there's gonna be a detour, your phone isn't gonna work anymore, so you're gonna get lost, Uh, you're gonna run out of gas, Uh, you're gonna fight in the car. (laughs) There's a lot of things that can go on this journey, yet it's ongoing, there isn't, the, the final destination is heaven, and then all really cool stuff happens there. So we're never done learning that we could just really pause and hold into this moment right here to say that what we're doing right now, whatever's going on in your blended families today. So for our listeners, whatever's happening today, I I want to speak life into that to say that it may not feel like God's best for you right now. And you may be really angry and hurting right now, but you are not alone. And you have 
people here on this call who have an understanding of some of the emotions that you're experiencing. If you can grab the Miggy and wrestle him, <laughs> I think that would be a really great first step. And so if you're in a situation where you're struggling and you need help, there is help. This awareness part is also an acknowledgement that you could use some help because so often when we're in these emotions, it's very difficult to see what the next step is. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. All right. And the other thing along with what you say is, is that there is another side. You will get through this. Now, I love the way that Paul writes to the Corinthians in second Corinthians chapter one, he says, we are comforted with the comfort that others have received before. So basically when we're comforted, we take that comfort that we receive and we go out and bring that comfort to someone else who's in the same situation we were in before. And that's a cool yeah. idea. We talk about passing it on and, um, and really, I, I think in life, that's what all of us want to do. We really want to pass on a legacy. We really want to do good. As you said, Becky, the best good we can do for other people. Sometimes, as you also mentioned, we get caught up in that shame and we need to know, one, we're not the only one. And two, there's a way out. I like that you brought up shame because we don't know what we don't know until we didn't know it. And most people use shame and guilt interchangeably. And guilt is actually the experiencing of uh, feeling bad about something we did. And shame is feeling bad about who we are. And I think that is really what a lot of the rising up is when people are, you know, talking to your audience, blended families feel that level of shame. That there's something wrong with who I am because of X, Y, or Z. <clears throat> and being in that place, if that's the, the kind of underlying not in the non-conscious story that gets triggered a lot, that's the bubbling up. And then I think what that can lead to is you're talking about that legacy, their desire to leave that legacy, they feel like can be compromised or challenged when they are sitting in that that place of shame. And I, I love that you brought up best yeses. I can't remember which of you did it now, but finding that best yes for who God's created you to be. And that's, you know, what I might call my coaching program is her best yes, is like, it's different for everyone. Our journey is in a different place. And how God is going to use us in our blended families or in our families in general is going to be different for everybody. And really honoring that wherever you are, God is for you. And reading that verse in Corinthians, it's, he is for you, despite the hard, despite the struggle, despite the shame, that his nature is true. And you probably know the song, The Blessing. Do you guys know the song, The Blessing? I think it was Elevate Church that might have you sang it for the first time. Oh, Lord, do you sing? I mean, you sing it for us. I sing when no one is around. I sing a joyful noise. It's just if you heard it, it's joyful to God only. I would encourage you to, for your <laughs> listeners to look that up because it really highlights what you just said about legacy. It and the, one of the lines is, he is for you. And it talks about the blessings of your family and your children and their children. I think that is really what this is looking for the 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 good in the hard and the blessings so that your story has a purpose and leaves behind the legacy that you're feeling called you know to leave behind i'll be sure to look it up so we can put it in the show notes that makes me think yeah. of one of the questions that we ask couples is this do you want your children to have the marriage that you have right now mm -hmm. because if you're in it to win it so to speak then your marriage should be good. It should be something where you model the marriage that you want your children to have to prevent the cycle of re-divorce and instead demonstrate this commitment in a way that wasn't demonstrated when things fell apart the first time for those who have experienced that. Now, if you've lost a spouse, that's a little bit different, but there are still definitely challenges when you're blending together and the kids getting used to dealing with that loss, acknowledging and processing that loss, and then blending in with a new mom or dad. There's definitely trauma involved. You talked about traumatic experiences divorce and death of a parent is traumatic. And I think we short sell that. I don't think we understand the depth of the pain that goes along with that because oftentimes it goes back to what you were saying about our culture. We just want to get on with it. Can you just get on with it? Like, just let it go. Except we all hold on to things differently and for different time periods and for different reasons. Acknowledging that, recognizing that each one of us 
has a different need. Yeah. Becky, talk to the couple, the step couple that is really up against it. They understand the statistics, but they think they're going to become one, um, mm-hmm. especially from the shame element, because what I'm hearing is that a lot of that is bound up in shame. What can that couple do to short circuit the, the process that they're on right now to re-divorce? Yeah, I, I first feel like I need to say that I don't want this to sound trite or oversimplified, because when you are in that space, there are so many layers and, and so many levels and, and unique situations. Yeah. But I truly believe outside of there being um, a safety issue in a marriage, that reconciliation um, is possible. And I, mm, there, yeah, okay, I'm not going to lean into that one too much. But I think the first place to really sit at again is that awareness. Like we know we are here. And I'm sure you share this with your audience that the number one reason couples, um, if they make the choice to get divorced or they, the disconnection of their marriage is they're not communicating what their needs are or they're making assumptions about what the needs of their spouse are. And I think if couples could communicate what their needs are and that vulnerable, soft place where their shame is living and they're non-conscious, could, they could hold space for each other to witness that, not try to solve it, not try to make it better, but just sit in a place and saying, I see you, I hear you, I'm witnessing this for you. This marriage matters to me. I am all in and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that I want to be there and I want to do the work. And if you're not sure what to do, what that looks like, you guys as a resource, there's countless other resources. I think every couple could benefit from counseling. We all could benefit from emotional and mental health. So if you're wondering what's the first step, I believe it is to work on each of your own individual mental, emotional, and spiritual health. I call that the self-nurture piece. If you're not nurturing yourself as an individual, showing up within your marriage and nurturing that will become even more of an uphill journey. And so if you want to flatten that terrain out, it's really going to be saying, what do I need to do to take care of myself so I can nurture this relationship that matters this much to me? Yeah, that's really good. It makes me think of something that we often go back to is you cannot give what you do not have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you don't have joy and peace and contentment and you're Miggy under control, uh, <laughs> you can't give it. I'm also hearing in there that the idea of grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a hard one. We, we want to say we're gracious people. It's funny because that's actually the every month my coaching program, we have a theme. And this month is she is generous and gracious. And it's a really beautiful thing to say. We can put little sayings up in our home. We could post it on social media. But how do we really get to that place of grace of these, as these, these broken people? But we are so much better at looking at all of, the, all of the actions or the choices that our spouse makes, what they do without grace. And I think that's the piece. Is, and he, he, here's the thing. I know I can't give enough grace to my husband if I don't really lean in and accept fully and experience the grace that God has given to me. If he can save a sinner like me, I need I need that grace to come into my human grace. My human grace isn't enough. Like it's imperfect and it's pokey and she doesn't always want to show up. But if we can invite in the power of the grace of our Savior, we might have a chance. And so if you don't feel like you can give grace on your own, you're right. You're going to need higher power for that. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, that's really good. You were talking about we have all these signs on our walls and in and, and social media and all of that. And I was thinking about especially when I'm working with women, it's more common. And I think it's just because women do have more words than men do. It's not that men don't necessarily think it. It's just the expression is different. Although you have, mm-hmm. you do have a lot of words. Couple. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe because you're a pastor. Yeah, <laughs> He's good at words. He's good at words. Yes, he is. If I take the Proverbs 31 woman, for example, yeah, the most common reaction that I get is that's not me. Like, I don't do this and I don't do that. And when I, I don't sew. <laughs> How could I possibly be this Proverbs 31 woman kind of thing? And what's really interesting to me is that oftentimes when we are defining what we want, we define it in terms of what we don't want. Or when we're evaluating ourselves, we evaluate ourselves and what we don't have. I wish I had this. I wish it were this way instead of, Gosh, today, as I look for us, we've been married seven years, seven years in, we've learned a ton 
And that's why we can talk about it on the podcast because we have learned it, but we wouldn't have been able to talk about it in year one because we were living in a very different situation as far as what we had as a couple. We knew what we wanted, but what we were experiencing, it wasn't so great. Oftentimes it was a, every other week, it was a different kind of life with the transitions that were going on because we were not prepared. And I think that is really the biggest challenge is that we're not prepared to understand and we're not given the okay that this is where we are right now and let's celebrate where we are right now so we can go on ahead and take it to the next level. And it does go back to what you said when we had a, a pre-discussion and also what you just mentioned that we can't show up for people unless we're working on ourselves. Mm. <sighs> Sister, yes, that you said it. And I, I, what you were just talking about, you know, I love to give words and language to the women I'm working with. And one of what you were just saying, we call those the comparison gremlins. And they bubble up <laughs> regularly and they try to steal our joy. And so you're, Bill, you mentioned joy too. And that's really the pinky finger of, of the, the five steps with your hand is that joy is possible through the practice of gratitude. So being grateful, and I ask what you're talking about, grateful of the journey and the learning to, to be able to expose that joy in that space and leaning into it. You had a specific question and the thread went away because I was thinking about joy. I did. No, I thought you guys so did. Funny. Oh, Jane did. Oh, I, I, if I did, I, I really, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going on today. <laughs> I'm making, I'm making up stories. Well, you want to know what I, what I actually like about this? It means we're not thinking about our next question or answer. We're really in the moment hearing each other. And that, oh, there, there's a tip for, for families. How often are we in the moment of hearing and creating space for what our spouse is saying? We are coming up with what we're going to say next and why they're wrong and why we are right. So what we just did, Jen, which is, I love turning imperfections into lessons. We were showing up, you were listening to me and I was <laughs> trying to listen to you, but so excited about what you were saying. I missed the question. And now the thread actually came back to me. You were talking about how we highlight the things we do wrong, we mess up with. Yes. That's actually called yes. negativity bias, which I'm not going to give a whole lesson on that. We don't have that much time, but negativity bias. And so what I actually, <laughs> so many of the moms, I, women I work with, not all of our moms, but the majority are, is they put their head down on the pillow at the end of the day and their mind goes to all the things they did wrong, all of their feelings, all the mistakes, and the shame rises up. So two things is that I, I encourage them to come up with their mom wins or their wife wins. Like your brain is going to focus on the negative. It's part of that um, sympathetic nervous system to keep us safe. What were your mom wins? And our brain likes questions more than statements because if we ask our brain a question, it looks for evidence to support it. So if you're saying to your brain, why is it that I'm the worst mom and I can have everything done and blah, 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 blah. Your brain is going to be like, yep, you did this and this and this. You're a mama failure. And you're going to go to sleep like that. But if instead you can say, how is it all my humans made it through the day? Like they're alive. <laughs> and I only restarted the laundry three times today. That's better than last week. And I'm making a joke of it. But authentically, if you say, how is it that I showed up and was there for my kid when they were upset about what so-and-so said in the playground, how is it that I was able to keep my mouth shut when my husband was talking about his hard day at work instead of trying to problem solve it? How is it that I did that? What your brain's going to do is it's going to look for evidence and it's going to open up that non-conscious filing system of all of our memories and mm -hmm. more memories of your successes are going to come up. And that's the gift of counterbalancing our brain wanting to focus on the negative. That is really cool. You mentioned that to moms. It's really interesting because I have an accountability partner that I developed in business over the years and we still stay in touch. And one of the things he always challenges me to is, hey, write down your three wins every day. Hmm. Maybe a three wins to write them down. Okay, yeah, well, I know the day's over, but what wins do you have so far? This is one. <laughs> Fantastic. What? Yes. That's great. That's great. How about you, Becky? You've got some wins today? Yeah, always. Wins for me are is that I had my one-on-ones with some of my clients today and that God is doing big things amidst brokenness. Like God is showing up that and like that I could show up for them, that I was taking care of myself, that I could show up for them. That's a win. Another win is that I have not forgotten to move the laundry along. I don't have to restart the washing machine. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I love it. Hey, we probably could talk another hour about Easily. all kinds of things. <laughs> 
but I want to give you the floor to talk about whatever it is that if you came with something that you wanted to share today, or if there's something that's uh, you're sensing is a, a point to clarify or follow up on with our listeners, I'd love to give you the opportunity to do that. Oh, yeah, hundred things. I think one of the one of the big ones for me is so often that negative narrative can lead us to those words of I'm a failure, I'm failing at this. And I really want to encourage what I call a mindset reconceptualization. It's a mouthful, but it's essentially reconceptualizing the story we're saying to ourselves. And I truly believe we are either learning and we're learning the ways not to do something. We're learning the ways we could do it differently or we're slaying it and thriving all in. And if we can reframe reconceptualize failure as, well, I just learned another way to not do that well. Instead of I am a failure, we giggle at ourselves maybe, hopefully, and we can lean into that place and say, okay, what's the lesson? What's learning? Because that didn't go well. And we are not our behaviors. Who we are and our identity is in being created in God's image and in the Savior that died for us. And your mistakes, your divorce, your imperfections, your non-perfect parenting are your behaviors and your choices that are affected by sin and brokenness, but they are not the essence of who you are. And people align those as the same thing. And I think if we can work to disconnect that, huge abundant growth is possible. Wow. That's fantastic. I know there are lots of different listeners and many listeners actually aren't in blended families, but they come to listen because a lot of things apply to all relationships. Where can people, where can women, I know since you work with women, where can they find you? How can people connect with you? Oh, thank you. Yes. It's herbestyes.com. Um, her best yes on Instagram. Becky, her best yes. All of her best yeses. Follow Becky Dozman on Facebook. I think you'll put some stuff in the descriptions. I talked about the gratitude. I put together a freebie, little journaling prompt with gratitude, some breathing, a little spot for journaling and for scripture that I pretty much took all the things that have helped me start my day well. So that is there. And then we talked and we met last week about the process and the progress in our journey. And so often the world talks about goals, right? Like I have this goal and I have reconceptualized intentions. If I can say I'm intending to do this, it feels less daunting than I have this goal. And so one of the things I have found with women is if I can help come alongside of them to look at what intentions God's calling them to, they're able to lean in a little bit more. And so one of the things I'm really excited about is that in January, I'll be um, hosting a, I'm calling it the vision casting party, put party at the end of anything and I will come. I want it to be a party. <laughs> so we're going to look at, look at how to set intentions, how to reflect back on 2021 and set intentions for where God's leading you in 2022. I'm, I'm hoping that will be a blessing, but really just in a space where sisters, as you are thinking of all the ways in which you are not doing things exactly as you feel like you're supposed to. Grace is a gift. It is sitting there waiting for you to open every single day. It is fresh and it is new. And God is for you, whatever your struggle is. And you are not alone. Wow. That's so good. Such a good word. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom. This has truly been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, I know that when we did our pre-interview, I walked away inspired. And I can honestly say I'm even more inspired right now. So thank you. Yeah, well, I'm stuff. Well, I'm definitely grateful. Thanks. Well, all right. We're going to call that a wrap. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun with Becky. Hey, if you enjoyed today's show, would you tell somebody and share today's episode with them? Thanks so much. See you next time.